0: Second Thessalonians chapter 2, here's what God's word says, beginning in verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth That they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So just want to stop there and go back um, and remind us as we get into verse 1 and through this little section, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. You guys remember, he had planted. Um, He had been there for a very short time in Thessalonica, in in modern-day Greece. He had been run out of town. Um, This was a church that was a bunch of new believers. Um, He had taught them about end times things and no doubt poured into them not only end times things, but the commandments of Jesus, as we read in 1 Thessalonians. They were a well-instructed church, and when the, the Apostle Paul left, he was unable to get back to Thessalonica so eventually, he was able to send Timothy to see how the church was doing because the church was birthed in the midst of uh, heaviness, tribulation, bitter persecution. The um, the season of life that they were going through was hard, and so he was praying and hoping that they had not fallen away, that they had continued to walk with Jesus and not ditch Jesus. And Timothy went and went to encourage them, and then Timothy came back with good news: the church was thriving. In fact, that happens all over the world where there's serious persecution, the church thrives, the church abounds. And that's what was happening in Thessalonica. And so Timothy comes back and lets Paul know they are loving one another. They are loving even their enemies as well as Jesus called us to. They are growing in their faith. And so Paul ends up writing 1 Thessalonians to continue to encourage the church, but also to remind the church about Jesus' return for the church, the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that Jesus is coming for us, his bride. Correct? He's coming for us, and he wanted to make sure they understood the difference between the rapture and what will happen during the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a term not in reference to one day, but it's in reference to a seven-year period that's called the tribulation period. We see it in Revelation chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. It's also called in the Old Testament, the day of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week. Um, It's called the hour of trial. There's lots of different names for this time period. And uh, I I feel it's necessary to explain why, what's this time period all about. Um, God will be dealing with um, this world, if you will an unregenerate world. The church will be removed. We are not appointed unto wrath. God will pour his wrath out at this time, and he will do what? He will fumigate planet Earth. He will will remove wickedness and wicked ones, but all along in, in wrath, he remembers mercy. There will be a lot of people that get saved during that time period. There will be a great awakening on planet Earth Many people will get saved, and God will be dealing primarily with the nation of Israel as well. God has promises um, attached, plans attached um, to the Jewish people. We don't have time to get into that this morning. It's miraculous what God has done uh, with the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. He's not through with the Jew. He has plans attached and the time of tribulation. He will be breaking the stubborn pride of the Jewish people where they will recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and cry out for him at the end of the tribulation period or the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord culminates with the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth to set up his kingdom. The Bible calls it the millennial kingdom or the kingdom age. Jesus will set up his kingdom, we will be with him, and that will give way to the eternal state, and of course, we will live happily ever after. You're on the winning team. Isn't that good news this morning? And, and one of the points that Paul's gonna make as we work our way through this, this chapter is that um, the children of light, that is us, we will not be around during the day of the Lord. If that time period is specifically for children of darkness. As he, as he explained so clearly In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And so what's the deal? Why is Paul writing the things that he's writing in chapter 2? Because there was some false teaching in the church. There were people that were saying certain things that were not true. And what they were saying was what What they were buying into was that because of the bitter persecution, because of what they were going through, they thought they were the recipients of God's judgment, that they were in the tribulation period. Someone was promoting that, someone was teaching that, saying, yep, we're in the day of the Lord, that's it, Jesus didn't come for us, and Paul is now helping them to sort these things out, things that he had already communicated to them previously when he was with them, like we just read just a moment ago. So let's sort it out for ourselves, shall we? Let's look at verse one. Look what it says, God's word. Now, brethren, family, what is this all about? concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. That is speaking of the rapture of the church. The Lord coming and us being gathered together to him. In fact, Jesus said, didn't Jesus say, speak about that? Did Jesus say anything about this? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, our many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That is super clear, isn't it? Jesus coming for us to take us to where? To the place He's preparing for you and I in the Father's house. In fact, the phrase there, gathering together, is that what it said? Our gathering together to him. The the Greek word is the word we get, synagogue, right? And so what's going to happen? The Lord's going to come for us, and he's going to take us on out of here so we can do church together in the Father's house. That's good news, isn't it? Jesus said, I'm going to keep you from the very hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. Behold, I am coming quickly at any moment. And so he says, we ask you, hey, concerning the Lord's return for you and gathering together to go to be with him in the Father's house, I'm begging you, I'm urging you, I'm pleading with you to what? Look at verse 2. What's he pleading? What's he begging about? For the church not to be soon shaken in mind, number one. Shaken in mind, it's an interesting word. It speaks of a ship being untethered. From, from its uh, secure place and then being blown around all over the place. You ever feel like that? I'm just getting blown in every direction. I don't know which way's up, what's going on. I'm troubled. I got so many cares and concerns going on. And Paul says, listen, concerning the Lord's return and what he's going to do with you Don't be shaken, don't be troubled, don't be worried. He goes on to say what? Don't be shaken in mind or troubled. By what? Either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us. By spirit. I believe someone, they allowed someone into the church to share with the church and there were some people that weren't quite right on with God's word. In fact, the apostle John wrote, Test the spirits, because not all spirits are of the Lord. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, Paul would tell the Corinthians. In fact, we are called to test all things, aren't we? Are we called to test all things? No, just let it slide. No, test all things, hold fast, that which is good. How do we test all things? With the word of God, gang. Are you with me? I've shared this before. Listen, you need to test everything you hear and see. My precious brothers and sisters, including what comes from this pulpit, what comes from my mouth, you need to test and see, is that what the word of God says? Be a Berean. Don't take my word for it. You study your Bible. Get to know the truth. And of course, the truth will set you free, but also we're able to, uh, we're able to clearly see deception and lies when we know the truth. Amen? That's what Paul's saying here. Listen, listen. I'm sharing this with you because some of you being deceived, he says. And if someone comes into the church or someone says something to you or, uh, or, what else does he say? He says by letter, someone writes something to you as if the day of the Lord, the day of Christ has come, they're wrong. They're flat out wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm making a big deal about this because we have the same thing happening today. Even in the news, hey, this is Armageddon, man. This ain't Armageddon. Correct. This is not the, We are not in the tribulation period. We are not. We are not in the millennium either. For you all millennialists, not in this church out there listening to. It. We're not in the day of the Lord. In fact, he says, "What does he say? Don't let anyone." Shake you. Listen, Bible prophecy, end time stuff shouldn't shake us, shouldn't disturb us. We should say, come quickly Lord Jesus, thank you. I'm just seeing your plan unfolding and the best is yet to come for me and my precious brothers and sisters as we see your word word unfolding before our very lives. I don't care what AI says, generates. I know what the truth is. And I got it in my hands, and I got it in my heart. And Paul's like, let no one deceive you. Look at that, by any means. Are there people out there that want to deceive you? I mean, why does Paul have to say that? Because there's people that want to deceive you. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Right? Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Look at the fruit of their lives. Ravenous wolves, he calls them. Extortioning wolves. But there's also, there are also well-meaning people that sometimes deceive. Are you with me? I'm bringing this up because anybody remember Y2K? Some of the kids were like, what? What's, what, is, what is, are that some new jeans or something? <laughs> Y2K, right? The year 2000 when everything was to implode and explode and the sky is falling and the computers aren't going to be able to, 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 to move up to the next uh, number. And you know, there was, there was pastors that were traveling around, fleecing the flock of God, causing the flock of God to worry and panic. My Bible says the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity but power, love, and a sound mind. And I remember my pastor, and you know, there's actually people that I've talked to, um, I don't know if they're still in this church or not, but there's one of the guys that you listen to them, they're an influence on your life, and uh, you can Google it and check it out. I remember the stuff he did and pulled. Sad, pathetic. My pastor would say, it was so. I love my pastor, he's home with Jesus now. And so is this other guy, I hope he straightens him out. <laughs> oh, we'll have perfect theology when we get home, won't we? So it all gets straightened out, even my jacked up stuff. But my pastor would say, listen, my pastor, he was a legitimate rocket scientist. He developed tracking systems for nuclear weapons but he never came off as like highfalutin head, head case. He simply taught the scriptures simply, which was so beautiful. You would have never known he was a rocket scientist. You know what he would say every week? It was like, I could still hear him saying it, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run to it and are safe. It's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. The Lord takes good care of those that he's purchased and bought with his precious blood. Can I remind you too, prophecy should not freak us out. It should just cause us to draw closer to Jesus and worship and adore him even more. And Paul's like, listen, let no one, let no man deceive you by any means. You test everything with the word of God. And he says, for that day, the day of the Lord, the tribulation period, will not come, something has to happen first unless the falling away comes first. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what in the world is the falling away? Some people say the falling away is a reference to, if you're taking notes, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, where the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he says, in the last days there will be some who depart from the faith, who fall away from the faith, giving heed to deceiving uh, spirits and doctrines of demons. Some people say that's what this is talking about, an apostasy that will happen. It's interesting, the word there is apostasia. I'll talk about that more in just a minute. Some people say this speaks of a great worldwide rebellion, a falling away, a revolt. Some people take that view. I take neither of those views. Well, I believe possibly it could be the falling away of the faith. I'm not sure, but if you dig a little deeper and and you study this word, apostasia, check this out. It's an interesting word. It means means to, to, to go away from your fixed position. In other words, it's a combination of two words, to go away and static. Something that's static is not dynamic, it's fixed. To leave your fixed position. I believe what this is talking about is speaking of... Some of your translations possibly may say the departure or a departure. I believe it's speaking of the rapture of the church. And that's my own opinion. You can take it or leave it. And we're going to see in context why in just a moment. Well, the context, what's he talking about? For concerning the coming of our Lord and the gathering together to be with him. That's the context, is the falling away, the catching away, the departure must happen first... Once that happens, then something else happens. The man of sin is revealed. Apocalypto is the, is the word there, is revealed at that specific time. Um, it's interesting, too, when you look at some of the first translations of the Bible into English, um, Tyndale, Coverdale, Geneva Bible in the 1500s, they have departure there, the departure or the departing or a departing. So again, my personal opinion is, this is speaking of in context, the departure of the church going to heaven before the man of sin is revealed. Why do you believe that? Well, let's keep rolling. So unless the falling away comes first, the departure comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who is this man we're talking about? John calls him the anti-Christ. In the book of Revelation, he's called the, it's called the beast. Thank you. Here he's called the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition also. What does perdition mean? Perdition means waste. It means ruin. That's right. It means destruction. So just by what he's being called here tells us a few things about him. He's not a good guy. I believe, again, when we study the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and 5 always precede chapter 6. Correct? Chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, the Antichrist is revealed while the church is already in heaven singing beautiful songs to Jesus. The scroll is get. The scroll opens up. First seal. White rider with a bow, no arrows. I believe it speaks of the Antichrist coming on the scene. And then what happens? Well, look what it says. Let's, let's read this. Who opposes and what? And exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself. That he is God. This speaks of a very um, very important uh, prophecy in God's word. And Jesus confirmed it. Remember Daniel chapter 9? You guys remember Daniel chapter 9? Daniel is... Where's Daniel at? Daniel chapter 9. He's in Babylon. Children of Israel, why are they there? They're in captivity, right? They ditched the Lord, ditched God's word. God said, if you're going to play that way, not in my house, I'm going to have to put you in a timeout. How long was the timeout for? 70 years, right? You guys know this? Come on. 70 years. Toward the end of the 70 years, Daniel's reading his Bible. He's scoping it out. Well, he didn't have a Bible scroll. And he gets to Jeremiah, and he realizes, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's time for the captivity to end. It's over. And he's not like jumping up and down, high-fiving everybody. He's broken. He's weeping. He's fasting. He's praying. And all of a sudden, when he's doing that, who shows up? Hint, angel of birth announcements. Come on, you guys know who is it? Gabriel. (laughs) Pulls in. Correct. And he gives this amazing prophecy specifically for the nation of Israel, for the Jews, for Jerusalem. And what does he say? He says there's 490 years on the prophetic calendar for the nation of Israel. How many again? 490. The calendar begins, the clock starts with the, with the signing of a decree to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and the streets, even in troublesome times. Guess what? We know exactly when that happened. Nehemiah chapter 2, Artaxerxes Longimanus gave the decree for Nehemiah. Not only the, the decree to go back, gave him letters and lumber, hooked him up, man. The clock began to start. From that point, 483 years would be the coming of the Messiah who would be ultimately cut off. So when the clock started, 483 years up to when Jesus would come and he would be cut off. What's so remarkable about this prophecy is there's a couple of slick cats. One of them was Sir Robert Anderson, Scotland Yard detective, who came up with the exact date, 173,880 days from the signing of the decree for the Messiah to come. You know what day it was? It was the day when Jesus came down. What? The Mount of? What was he riding? Riding on the back of a donkey. And remember what was going on? It's the first day of the week. Sabbath just passed. First day of the week for the Jews. Sunday. Sunday. And there were people, what did they have out there with them? Palm, why? You ever think about that? Why in the world? Yeah, it's called Palm Sunday. That's why they have palms. (laughs) Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Because it's Palm Sunday. Yeah, get those palms out. No, 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 no. There was a whole group of people who knew their Bibles. This is the day the Lord, the the King is coming. That's why they sang that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? This is our King. He's here. And Jesus received that, right? He didn't tell anybody to be quiet. And Jesus held them, listen, Jesus held them accountable for that very day. Because a few days later, what were they saying? We have no King, but Caesar, crucify him. That very day, Jesus said it, That this very day, you should have known. You of all people. And yet they, he came to his own, and his own received him not. And so that would be 483 years until Jesus Messiah would be cut off. So how many years would be left on that prophetic calendar for Israel? That's right, 490 minus 483 is... Seven years left. <gasps> what seven years is that? The day of the Lord, the tribulation period. So right now we're in a pause, right? The, the, the church age, right? The father gathering a bride for his son. Beautiful. But that clock is going to start back up again. Daniel 9.27. Check it out for yourself. Daniel 9.27 This seven year period begins with the Antichrist signing a covenant with many of the Jews. How long is that covenant? Seven years. And what's going to happen midway through? Jesus told us also, Matthew 24 15, the abomination of desolation. Man, when that happens, let the reader understand it's from Daniel. Remember, didn't Jesus say something like that? What's going to happen? He's going to break the covenant with the Jews. He's going to go into the rebuilt temple. Didn't we just read that a second ago? Into the temple of God, literally the holy of holies, naos. Proclaim himself as God, set up an image, because he's all about the image, to be worshipped as God, and he will turn on the Jews and radically persecute them. Revelation 12 and 13. Check it out for yourself. Until the end, when the Lord comes to set up his kingdom. Isn't that amazing how God's word fits? It, no? Is it pretty cool? Amazing. Again, no AI can do that, generate that kind of stuff. Only the Lord, that's what makes him unique and glorious and wonderful and my God and your God and our King. And so the Antichrist, you know what that presupposes, by the way? Uh, let me just, little, this is another Bible study. <laughs> All of this presupposes Israel back in the land. Miracle, 1948. A rebuilt temple, which hasn't happened yet, but the Temple Institute is well on their way. Blueprints are done. All the stuff is ready for when they get the thumbs up to build the temple on the mount. Everything's ready. Everything's in place. Well, then, pastor, who's this Antichrist? Listen, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. I'm looking for the departure, going home, to be caught up, to go to the Father's house, the place the Lord's preparing for me and for you. Because people will ask, I know, somebody will ask me probably this week, well, who do you think it is, the Antichrist pastor? Come on, just tell me. I know you said that on Sunday. Is it Emmanuel Macron? His his name means God with us, Macron. Macron. I, listen i don 't care, except that well the dude ain 't going to get saved he 's the son of perdition, and what 's he going to do he's he 's going to ruin his own life he 's going to ruin the lives of others and many will be doomed because they follow him they buy into his lies and to see they buy into his image he 's all about the image that 's why it 's so for us, we don't want to go his way. We want to go the way of the lamb, the way of Jesus. Make ourselves of no reputation. Humble ourselves in his sight. Well, he's going to oppose and exalt himself. Interesting. Oppose—that's what anti means, opposition to Jesus. Antichrist means in opposition or against Jesus, or instead of, or in place of Jesus. That's a. Isn't that great? John wrote, the spirit of Antichrist is already alive and well right now, even today. Think about how many people, how many things, how many things that people say, do, is Antichrist. In opposition to Jesus Christ, instead of Jesus, even in the church, how sad. How we replace the simple counseling of God's word with secular humanism and secular psychology. That's, listen, that's Antichrist, man. Psychology, man's solutions to man's problems. How do you know that, Pastor? That was my major in college. And when I got saved, I look back and it's nonsense. You can't say that. I just did. God's Word is God's solutions to man's problems, to our problems. He is the wonderful counselor. And his word has the power to change your life, to fix your life, and to fix my life. We can't fix each other. Only the Lord can fix us. And so this dude, he's gonna exalt himself. He's all about the pride. Again, all about the image, all about me. Check me out. And he will use, he will use everything he can to steal, steal, kill, and destroy, just like the one energizing him. Well, we gotta keep moving because we're not gonna get it done. Well, we got as much time as we want. Last service till four. do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Paul's like, don't you remember? And literally, I kept telling you these things over and over. And now, you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Do you know what? is restraining this morning that which is restraining that he the antichrist may be revealed in his own time at his appointed time so there is something restraining that is connected with someone restraining again a departure and a revealing a removal of restraint and a revealing of unhindered wickedness and evil. Because You guys still with me? Such an important point. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And so when you guys see mystery in your Bibles, does that mean like Nancy Drew stuff? It's a really deep thing. And is that what we're talking about? Mystery biblically is something that's concealed, now revealed to those who are initiated. In other words, once the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in you and in me, what happens? Our eyes are open. We understand what the Word says, where we came from, where, we, where we're going, what life is all about. Things make sense, correct? Yes. And we know, man, we know, don't we, that it's, the world's not going to get gooder and gooder. Correct? Correct. There's some, there's some churches that think, we're going to usher in the kingdom. We're just going to, you know what? No, 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 no. It's not going to get better. Except when we go home to be with Jesus. Lawlessness, without law, iniquity, wickedness. And this is a, listen, this is heavy. This is a restrained version right now, what we see. That's crazy, isn't it? I can't tell you how much wickedness not only I've seen this week and heard this week, but I got to experience firsthand. It's like, really? There's no way. There's no way someone would do that to someone else. But it's a reality. Falling human beings, self-centered, wicked, desperately in need of Jesus. And so... The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, we got a person restraining, he will do so until he is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed. Who is the, verse six, what, and then the who. The what that's connected to the who. Does that make sense? (laughs) I believe, this is my own personal opinion, you can take it or leave it, I believe he's speaking of the work of the Holy Spirit through the church as a preserving influence in this world right now. Once the church is removed, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, correct? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you always and in you, individually and corporately. When we we depart, we're taken out of here guess what? The restraining work that God is doing through the church right now is going to come to a finish. Your influence, my influence for good, for righteousness, for truth, for what is right, is going to be gone on planet Earth. You may not think that's a big deal. We're going to talk about that in a minute in our application portion this morning. Does that mean the Holy Spirit's gone from planet Earth? No one's going to get saved? Someone asked me after second service. He is omnipresent. Big word. That means he's everywhere. (laughs) Correct? We see in Revelation he will still be doing his work. People will come to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. The Holy Spirit shows us our need for Jesus. Correct? He will be indwelling and empowering believers at that time. We see it happen. The 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams that run around, or Greg Laurie's, or the two witnesses. God's going to be using people at at that time. But I believe, listen, salt and light of the church will be removed. The Holy Spirit working through us. There's going to be a departure. Do you guys see this? Unless the departure happens, the Antichrist can't be revealed. Once there's a departure, then there's going to be a revelation of this guy. He says it twice here, I think, that we would understand this. When the lawless one is revealed, what's going to happen to him? I love this. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's so nice. It's kind of like, oh, we're hearing about the Antichrist, and he's so brutal. What's going to happen to this guy? He's toast. Him and the false prophet, didn't we learn that? Revelation 19, the first one's to be baptized in the lake of fire. Jesus is going to deal with him. He ain't going to get away with it. We learned that last week in chapter 1. Listen, those involved in evil, they will not get away with it. Ultimately, God will judge. Well, look what it says about this guy. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. So he's going to be energized by the devil with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So he's going to have authority. He is going to have uh, power that's given to him. And what will he use it for? He's not going to use it for good, he's going to use it for evil. And he will be doing signs and wonders. Listen, signs and wonders are meant to point us to Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Yes. We don't. Believers don't chase signs and wonders. Don't follow signs and wonders. Correct? Are you guys with me this still this morning? Yes. You hear that Jesus' face is on a tortilla in Mexico. Do you go running down there? <laughs> I mean... Sadly, there's some in the church that they got got to jump from the next biggest thing. The problem is when you seek signs and wonders, it's a vacuum. You just want more and bigger and greater. Don't get me wrong. I'm not down on signs and wonders. In fact, Jesus said signs and wonders will follow the preaching and teaching of God's word. He'll confirm his word. I love when he does that. But signs always should point us to Jesus. Wonders should leave us in awe of him. How beautiful he is. But this guy, he's all about pride, lies, force, right? You don't take his mark, his mark, what happens? You're dead. You can't buy or sell. It's his mark. It's all about him, his image, and what he does. Just like the devil, steal, kill, and destroy. And notice what it says. He'll do this with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. Among who? Among those who perish. Why? Why are they going to perish? Look what it says: because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Listen, if you reject the truth, all you're left with is what? Is lot in a heart? Is lies. I don't want the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I don't want Jesus. His word is truth. I don't want the truth of the gospel. Don't tell me about Jesus. Don't tell me about the gospel. They're going to reject, interesting, the love of the truth. And the truth is about love, right? I share the truth with you because I love you. If I didn't share the truth with you, I would be a derelict pastor. The people I share with during the week, I share with them because I love them. I share the truth with them. Not because I want... With our kids. Same with our kids, right? Do you want to make their lives miserable parents? You share the truth with them, don't you? Because you care about them. You want the best for them. And so they will not receive the love of the truth. Interesting, they won't receive. There are people that are faithful to share the truth and love with others. We're reminded here. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. He who is not... Gathering with me scatters. There's like no middle ground. He wants us to be gatherers, bringing people into the kingdom. Well, look what it says. And for this reason, God will do what? Will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That is a heavy verse. You keep rejecting the truth, rejecting the truth, rejecting the truth, these people, and finally God says, okay, have it your way. Here's an even bigger deception, a bigger delusion for you. Like Pharaoh, remember Pharaoh? Remember Pharaoh? He hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart, kept hardening his heart. And then it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And some people are like, oh, poor Pharaoh. God just solidified Pharaoh's position. You want to go that way? Okay. I'll solidify your position. To me, that is spooky and frightening. That's why I never want to have a hard heart with the Lord. And so at this time, people are going to say, I don't want the truth. I don't want, get away from me. Two witnesses, I don't care. Angels flying through the sky proclaiming the gospel, it says. Get away from me with the truth. I don't want Jesus. And they, they buy into what? Look what it says. That they should believe the, the lie. Definite article. What is the lie? Go all the way back to Genesis. Remember the The devil? First question in the Bible, the questioning of God's word. Did God really say that? You won't die. Go my way. You won't die. God's holding out on you. He's trying to keep you from having fun. He knows you'll become just like him. You'll become a God. Go my way. The lie, listen, the lie is substituting Jesus for anything else. How do you know that, Mike? Romans 1, I can't remember what verse, 25? Romans one twenty-five. Those people that have turned their back on the Lord, they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Substituting Jesus. Saying no to Jesus the one who loves you, saying no to the cross where he, where he gave his life, to rescue and save and to forgive and to give you a fresh start, the place where he rose again, to demonstrate that you too can live forever with him. People buy into the lie. And then what does it say? They're doomed, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Not only did they reject the truth, they rejected the light, but listen, Jesus said it, speaking about himself. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. And so we see right there at the end, don't we, those people had pleasure in what? In unrighteousness. We're out of time. You're going to leave us right there, Pastor, no way. Think think with me just for a minute. When the work of the Holy Spirit through the church, that preserving influence is removed, Listen. Has any? Can you think in your life? Has anyone influenced you, for good, not for evil? Think about the people in your life right now. Maybe a grandma. Maybe a parent. Maybe a co-worker. someone that has influenced you and impacted your life in a profound and eternal way. I think about my pastor. He's home with Jesus now. Man, he not only had an impact on me, he impacted thousands globally. I think of this precious saint. Her name is Chi-Ji Yoon. She's from South Korea. She, man, she, seem, she seemed old when we were there at Calvary Chapel. <laughs> She's still going. And she, check this out, she would... Every day when school's in session, she would go across the street from our church, from Calvary Chapel to the -the jack-in-the-box and share the gospel with the kids that would go there after school. And people would spit on her and make fun of her. Say brutal things about her. And she's still doing it to this day. I think if she didn't impact anybody, she impacted my life. Well, I need to rephrase that. She was spit on and treat, mistreated until, I can't remember who it was, that Brazilian MMA guy started joining her. <laughs> <laughs> For a season. Think about the people that have impacted you. Listen, Jesus called us to be salt and light, didn't he? Jesus calls to be salt and light. You are the light of the world. You and you alone, literally in Greek, you and you alone are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It preserves. Man, we are preserving, we are living on a rotten piece of meat right now, floating around. We are a preserving influence for good, for righteousness, for what is right and holy and true. Your life, do you know that your life is impacting people? I know there's people in this church, because of your influence, because of the way you've ministered to others, people have not committed suicide. People have stopped an unbiblical divorce. Kids have gotten off of drugs. Families restored. Some of you have no no clue it even happened through your life. It was just someone that was faithful to not only shine but also to be salt. Because salt flavors, doesn't it? The salt flavor, you guys? It heals. Correct? The salt heal? Right, you get a cut. I said this first service, you get a cut. You don't go to Galveston. Jump in the salt water. You go to the Atlantic or the Pacific, man. You need some healing. Listen, our lives are to bring healing. The salt does. Flavor. What do you mean flavor? I'll tell you what, Paul's saying this to the church don't freak out. Don't act like a nut, like the sky's falling, because it's a terrible testimony about our God. Are you with me? When we freak out as Christians, what are we saying about Jesus? When When we act that way, you know what I'm saying? In panic mode, what are we saying about the Lord? But listen when we do what? when we bring light and truth and love into the situation and help people to see clearly what does the word say? what happens? Man, we're being salt. We're, be, we're being an influence on people. The Antichrist does it a way different, way different than we do it. He's all about pride, all about image. Check me out, Dig me. Not God's people. We're to go the way of the cross in humility and in brokenness not the way of the anti not the way of the dragon the way of the lamb Jesus Christ that's how we make an impact eternally on people's lives the lord wants to do that through you and through me to make a difference in the people we come in contact with can you imagine now as we finish can you imagine The restrainer being gone, the departure, the church, the impact you make and I make for good, for truth, for righteousness, all of us gone, what's this place going to be like? That's heavy. And then the wicked one revealed after we're out of here. Heavy. So what do we do? We make a difference while we still have time, amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much that you've taken us out of darkness, brought us into your marvelous light. Thank you for setting us free and bringing us into your kingdom, into your family. Thank you that we are your sheep, that we belong to you. You know us by name. You love us and cherish us. Thank you that we are have been rescued from the wrath to come. That you are coming for us, Lord Jesus. Help us, we need you. Help us to live as people in light of that, as your people. That our lives would continue to make a difference as you've called us to, to be salt and light. To be the saltiest, lightiest people here in Houston. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you, Lord. So fill us afresh this day. Empower us to be your witnesses for your glory. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer this morning, as our heads are bowed, and and as our eyes are closed this morning, um, perhaps you've been listening and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. If that's you this morning, the Lord Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross. For your sins and my sins, he suffered, died and was buried and rose again on the third day. Demonstrating that everything he said is true. He's able to save to the uttermost, to forgive you, to give you a fresh start this morning. And you come just as you are. If that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you. I'm not asking you to join a church or sign some membership card or Perform some kind of ritual. None of those things will save you. Only Jesus can and will save you right here, right now. And you come. You respond to him. To believe on him. You receive him. Is that you? Can I pray with you this morning? If you're saying, yeah, Mike, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I see your hand. Anyone else this morning? You can put your hand down. Anyone else? I don't want to stop it. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart right now. It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? All right. For this gentleman that's raised his hand, you can repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Thank you for dying for me for my sins Lord Jesus would you come into my heart would you wash me and cleanse me and make me new you promised you would would you fill me with your spirit I don't want to go back to those sins anymore I love you Lord Jesus and I surrender my life to you. Father, we thank you for this precious one. We know there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents, and so may we rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank you that our names are written in heaven. Lord, please keep our new brother close to your heart. Cause him to grow and to thrive and to abound under your care, our good shepherd's care. We thank you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for first loving us. And it's in your name, your precious and holy name, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Awesome. So awesome. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, family. Can you listen? Let's sing one more song to the Lord. Amen.
1: He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, you Oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forever. Descending Shake a bone You conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things.
0: we pray now in Jesus name Amen